your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. We are coming to you live immediately following Everton's immense 2-0 victory against Leicester City FC at the King Power Stadium. Everton's second clean sheet in a row, first time this season that's happened. On 23 points now, as it stands at time of recording, fifth in the table. And furthermore, Everton have now managed to keep clean sheets bizarrely against the second joint third and fourth highest scoring teams in the Premier League. So stopping the teams that theoretically score the most, but unable to stop some of the teams lower in the table. Uh, We'll throw it over. Um, James Boyman, of course, is always here with Ryan Williams, and we'll go to Ryan first with the your instant match reaction, Ryan. They know who we are, James, yeah. at this point. They better. I would hope. Uh, my instant reaction. Defense wins championships, James. Uh, no, I... Look, the the game played out. We made Leicester uncomfortable. Uh, we kept their shots from a distance. We crowded the middle. We made things hard for Vardy, and we played very well as a collective team. Man, I'm just I'm proud of the the boys. You know, they really stuck in, dug in, and and um, uh, you know, they performed and got it done. Uh, really, two massive back to back victories. I think. What about you? Yeah, it's a huge boost, especially considering the injuries that we've had piling up, and of course, Allen going out mid-game, which we'll talk about quite a bit. But I, I at that point, I think a lot of fans were really apprehensive about how we'd replace his, because at, at that point, he'd been playing extremely well. So overall, a huge, huge result. Six points that we couldn't have needed more given our recent slip in form. And for me, I mean, I think it was a really solid team performance and a really encouraging result. But my my semi-hot take following this match was that it wasn't... It, the last couple of games, I don't think we've played outstandingly, but we've done enough to get a result. And given our injuries, I think you have to be really happy with how the last two games have gone. Absolutely. I mean, how could you not be? I don't think too many people would have predicted a shutout again. Um, right. Lester has scored a lot of goals. And sure enough, on the Discord, nobody got the score prediction right, which is too bad because we had a massive Christmas giveaway planned. <laughs> we were going to give away all this stuff and uh, guess guess no one won it. So um all right, that might be slightly disingenuous. Uh, kudos to Penny, though. Uh, Ethan Zander did get half of the score correct. I, I think he may have been the only one that predicted an Everton shutout. Um, shockingly enough, though, we did not score the 10 goals that he predicted. Um, and Richarlison did not score all 10, uh, but he did score today. So um, I- I'd say Ethan Zander got the closest. Not really, but we're going with that today, man. Um the lineup was uh, minimal change. Uh, we saw one change, which was not insignificant, but thought might, there might be some rotation, but apparently not. Yeah, I was kind of anticipating a fair amount of rotation, but Carlo Ancelotti obviously electing to stick with the all the outfield players who picked up the victory against Chelsea, and the only change was uh, Olsen, Robin Olsen, making his second appearance for the Toffees in s- the stead of Jordan Pickford. I thought that was an interesting rotation to make. I think Pickford, you know, we've talked about him a lot, a lot, a lot lately, and I thought he, he'd been okay the last few games. But in some ways, I think it was probably a little bit overdue to rotate Pickford, give him a rest, and give, give Olsen, more importantly, I think, an opportunity to show what he's got and maybe up the pressure on Pickford for that, that top keeper spot. And, you know, the four center backs playing all across the back line clearly paid off against Chelsea and same thing today. thought they were all excellent. And again, keeping Sigurdsson at captain, Allen and Decore to provide that support. And then the front three of Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, and it will be no major surprises there. But Leicester did name an interesting lineup, Ryan. Yeah, they did. You know, one last factor, too, in the Pickford thing. He did get pretty banged up last, last match. So uh, there may have been a little bit of that. If there was a time to rotate him, there's some logic there, you know what I mean? After his almost tragic slip and ankle right. roll, and then he got binged. Uh, but you're right. Lester did have some changes, but they also just innately have some changes just due to injury. They've been hit by the injury bug with some pretty significant ones. Now, granted, they happened early enough that they had enough time to kind of make some acquisitions and kind of kind of move around it. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi at center back is a little bit unusual. My guess is maybe they thought he would not have to work quite as much as center back. He's just coming back from injury. Johnny Evans was out due to card accumulation. So 
Uh, and they also have three big players still out. Ricardo Pereira is one of the best right backs in the league. Um, maybe who would have been his replacement. Uh, Castagana uh, from Atalanta, who I think they bought to summer, can play that position. Probably would have been the backup. And um, Charles Onyuchu was, was out. Um, he, I think, is closer, but not quite ready. So those are some pretty key players for them. And I, I think ultimately our tactical setup to me, it made a lot of sense to keep doing what we did against Chelsea. Lester really liked the counter. Um, I thought in this lineup with Ndidi being a little more swift uh, compared to Evans, um, maybe they might press a little higher. I think that would have exposed Fuchs a little bit, but uh, they didn't really too much. Uh, they did attack a lot down the right side, though. I mean, that seemed to be a big part of their tactical setup. And, and although we started expansive, for the most part, we were pretty compact. Yeah, I thought we were, were really direct. I mean, we played a, ended up playing a lot of long balls out of the back. Robin Olsen finished with, I think, like a 50%, around 50%, just booting it long. Yuri Mina also bizarrely playing a lot of really long balls. But like you said, we kept it compact, similar to Chelsea. I mean, given the the restrictions that you have with playing four center backs, you're not going to get a ton of offensive output from, from Godfrey and Holgate. Seemed to make sense. Play as a team. Keep the shape. And we did that really well, especially at the get-go. I thought Allen, before he went off injured, he was so instrumental as he has been all season, getting in those pockets of space, disrupting play. Um, and, and it was just a really encouraging encouraging to see the team perform as an entire unit yet again. I think we've seen times this season it looks a little disjointed and a little, I think players' roles tend to be a little unclear, especially when we were playing that three slash five at the back. But with, with the players having more clearly defined roles with Alex Wobie given license to get a bit more forward, but also still doing his due, due diligence tracking back. It was, it was, a, it was not the easiest on the eye at all times, but at the same time, we kept Lester at arm's length and they looked really, as I said on Twitter, devoid of ideas, very similar to how Chelsea looked. Didn't really have a second, uh, second game plan after we were able to kind of shut them out and, and prevent them from being able to counterattack. And I thought Keane and Mina deserve a lot of credit for kind of tag teaming Vardy a bit. We'll get to the timeline, but really he had 19 touches. That's it. Uh, now, granted, he's the type of player that can make the most out of out a few touches, right. but it, not too many of them were particularly dangerous. And he is a slippery guy. He's a very good player. We know he's one of the best strikers in the league. And, and I was concerned about the midfield. Uh, Tielemans and Madison can really create a lot of chances. Um, I think it was very obvious too the way we were set up compactly to try and prevent that transition from the center backs into the defensive mid. And then, and you saw Madison had to drop way deep yeah. just to start receiving the ball. And that, that makes things harder. He has to work a lot more. I think that's the key against that team. The teams that I've seen that have been successful with them, normally it's Ndidi sitting in that hole as a number six. You take that pass away and suddenly they're going to struggle a little bit. They had some dangerous chances kind of down the right side justin and and unger were were dangerous um unger is a really good player i think in terms of energy is very quick his left foot is very dangerous he does not have a good right foot uh, you know we didn't maybe do a perfect job of stopping that but 41 percent of their attacks went down the right side only 31 down the left uh the left side i mean barnes was dangerous at times i think he had a couple dribbles he had that one play where Richie was a little slow to come over on the double and he totally meg Mason Holgate. Yep. That was, yep. yeah, that was a little dangerous right there, but, but look, we flooded the middle of the pitch. And even when those guys pinched inside that square ball, kind of one time shot from Madison wasn't there. And Tielemans, we know can score from distance. He missed at least one shot from distance, but, but that was it. I mean, other than us getting expansive a little bit in the first five minutes, it, it just didn't happen. You know, like it maybe happened earlier in the season too. Uh, Alan and Decore were working great together. They were sitting deeper and, and look, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, I will say this, um, Evertonigen, uh, Bjorn, uh, had a really good comment up front. He said, we will find out both teams are out of fresh legs. This will be a game in the basement on physics, which is a really interesting, almost esoteric way to look at it, but it's true. You know, you didn't see quite the intensity from Lester. I think that I've seen in their pressing. And uh, kudos to Carlo to recognizing we had injuries and, and getting the team to truly clearly they've been working on shape and uh, and they did a really good job with it. I thought I don't know if you have any final parting words before we get into the timeline. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the the shape was really interesting. I did. I was a little surprised in the early stages of the game. I mean, we weren't 
really taking the game to Leicester. In fact, we were almost passive at times, letting them kind of possess the ball, which is is honestly smart given their their propensity for trying to play on the counterattack. And the shape, I mean, we had really tight lines between our our really, if you look at the average positioning, it almost looks like a front four with Gilfie and Dom. Obviously, that wasn't the actual formation, but creating that front line of four and, and preventing them from getting that pass into central defensive midfield, as you said, Ryan, and then having, of course, the midfields back up with Decore and Allen sitting with Yerry Mina, Ben Godfrey, and Mason Holgate. And we, we, we were just really disruptive, and it was a balanced game. I didn't think that we created a ton of really good chances, but we ended up beating them in XG. So let's just, let's just move on into the timeline because I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think early, uh, we did have some threat early, I thought. Uh, a little ex- overexpansiveness in about the first five yeah. minutes, and then we settled down. I-, I think it was pretty apparent that Richarlison was going to be a handful on their one side, and Alex Awobi was going to be a handful on the other. Christian Fuchs had almost no chance of stopping Not. Alex. But for some reason, they were content with that matchup a couple times, and you know, indeed, he was shading over. It really allowed for some opportunities. I, I will say this. It would have been very interesting what would have happened if we hadn't scored early. Yeah, because I, I think as we grew into the game, we probably could have been a little more expansive. Of course, that's also the time that Vardy nails you on the counter. But really, a little bit of back and forth other than the Mendy yellow card in the 15th. Really, I mean, the big, you know, the goals change games, right? Every time they happen. And we have been talking a long time about Richarlison and being more direct. The whole Discord server, we had this lengthy conversation, well, in addition to the absurd conversation about the height of center backs, uh, which I don't care. I don't care. I was only making an observation. I was just showing the data says they're normally tall. Uh, but beyond that, um, you know, I, we really wanted to see Richarlison get on that ball and stop the little fluttering crosses to Dom. Look for your own shot a couple times. And, and I was a little concerned early because let's be honest, he was just getting the daylights kicked yep. out of him very early and i i don't know why lee mason decided not to call a couple fouls one time he was fouled three or four times in the same position went down and looked at him like are you serious and and our man andreas watt made the right comment he said this is what happens when there's a targeted media agenda against a player where is the same on others he does go down easily at times but he's also constantly fouled no different to others and he's right he's right it's constant he gets kicked all the time i mean when did they finally call a foul on someone on him. I swear to God, it felt like the second half. I mean, he was kicked two or three times early that I thought were clear fouls. No call. Uh, Fofana went over the top of his back at one point. No call. I don't understand it, but I'm very happy that he stepped up on the 23rd and 21st, pardon me, cut inside. And uh, it was a very good shot. It took a tricky little skip, like the timing of that skip right before the, you know, the keeper makes it hard to save, but does Michael have to save that, James? I think he does. I think any Premier League keeper or any self-respecting keeper would be very disappointed not to make that save. That said, it is a really good shot. And the fact that he gets it in the air low enough to just take that little skip and take it past Michael, I mean, it's a really good take and encouraging to see from Richarlison, who honestly hasn't done hasn't done a ton of scoring from outside the box for us. So for him to show that intent um, to cut inside as we know he can, which is something he has been a res- uh, little hesitant to do, I think, lately. But he definitely we know how dangerous he is with the ball at his feet, how how defenders have to resort to fouling him because they can't stop him in a straight up defensive matchup. And he really just took it to to the center of the box and nice cut inside rifles it really well taken shot. And, and we're up one nil. And I don't think anyone's complaining about, uh, uh, at least on the Everton side, about Schmeichel not making the save. No, not not at all. I, I think it's important to note. I don't want to give too much credit for Alex Awobi on the assist because, yeah. see, this is my classic example of why assists are kind of a stupid stat. I mean, he benefits. He gets an assist because Richarlison scores. You know, it's yeah. kind of silly. That's why I like, you know, expected assists if we're going to use any sort of that or shot created actions, which we say all the time in the pod. But what I think is important is when we had possession there. The movement of the ball across the field. Yes. Yep. You know, you saw you saw Alon do it a couple times. You saw Awobi send it over to Richarlison, uh, almost in a James ish uh, cross. You know, switching the fields. Uh, I feel like Andre tried it once or twice too. That's a big difference because Leicester over pursues. That's part of their pressure, and they were steps slow because they were probably tired. But if that's the case, and you can hit them back door, you're going to have one on ones all day. And we said those were good matchups for us. 
And that's really what happened. You know, he had time to cut inside the center backs, maybe could have came in and helped earlier, but that that's, that's what happened. And that's, that's why when we start possessing the ball more and playing teams that will concede more possession as we go, it's so important to get that side to side ball movement because the players have to move, but especially against this team that tends to over pursue and is very aggressive when they're pre- with their pressure. Um, and then really after that, I mean, there was a massive chance by Jamie Vardy. I thought it was a huge chance. We've seen that already happen this year, whether it was Manchester United, I think one of the early games too, where we scored first and then gave it up right away. And these are those moments that, you know, Leicester didn't create many dangerous chances. This this was far and away their biggest chance, to, especially from an XG standpoint. And, you know, Vardy was slippery. Like he got right in between, you know, center, center back and Holgate and Mina. I don't know whose fault necessarily that was. I mean, does Jerry let that thing go over his head? I maybe shouldn't. It's a pretty good cross, but Vardy is tricky. You got to give him credit. And Robin Olsen was perfectly positioned, had all six foot five of them right there and scooped it up like it was nothing. I mean, to me, people may look at that and think that was kind of an innocuous moment in the match. And, and maybe Jordan Pickford would have been a little off position and flails arms and make some incredible save. Uh, and I'm not giving Robin Olsen that much credit for it, but that, that, those are those key moments, you know what I mean? And and nothing came of it. So no one really thinks about it. But that was their best chance all night. Looking back on that, that was really, really important. And um, for them not to hit right back right away, if they do, goals change matches. And I think the whole match changes. And, uh, and it's really remarkable how well and how refocused our team defense was after that point. Do you not agree? I, t- I totally agree. I think that kind of was a, a slap in the face a little bit. Woke us up, I think. You know, after after scoring, you have a maybe have a tendency to get a little complacent in that moment. What was really kind of spurred us on and helped us get into halftime, uh, having not conceded. And I actually think the point about kind of the, the innocuous moment from Olsen is interesting because I know you've brought up in the past that r- recently on the show that you think Jordan Pickford's some of his saves uh, look a little bit better because of the the lack of positioning. But that's a case of. Olsen's positioning being excellent and therefore making the save look like it's not really that big of a deal when in fact it's really kind of the the positioning that makes it makes makes that the case which is all anticipation and and understanding of the match so credit to Olsen I thought he had a had a really solid day though he only had to make two saves ultimately and and as we looked to get into halftime hoping to get in uh, ahead which we did but unfortunately we did not get to halftime without any injuries as Allen went down in the 30 uh, 41st minute, excuse me. Looked like he may have tore his hamstring. It was a no contact, pulled up immediately, gestures for a sub. Never something you like to see. True. Uh, I will say this, though. When he's running normally, it almost looks like he's pulled a hamstring, too. That is fair. so. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a guy like look more labored running? I mean, it's- it just we were joking around before the match on Twitter. I think it was me and, and the bobblers and maybe Alan and a couple other guys about how Richarlison just looks in such agony sometimes yeah. when he walks around, like even just walking around, he does. I, I, I had a totally crazy reference that no one will get. I referenced, um, if you've ever seen the video for the musical box and old Genesis song, it's very, I won't get into it, but it's no one's going to get it. But it, when you see it, it's like, Oh my God, the old guy who's really a young guy. It's Peter Gabriel wearing an old guy mask. Looks like Richarlison. Maybe I'm just strange. Well, I am strange. I know that. But anyway, yeah, I was massive, right? As sick and you see that, you know, immediately, I'm sure your thoughts went to the same place. Yeah, I went. Um, we're not real deep at defensive mid. My initial thought was like, dear, dear Lord, JPG, get healthy. Yep. Um, but I, I guess then the question remains. So put on your Carlo Ancelotti hat, James. What's your sub? Is it Andre? Is that the right sub? Um, and then I guess before that, we'll mention Lewis Jones, LJF on Twitter. His comment was, I expected Madison and Barnes to exploit us through in the second half when we lost Alon. I, I immediately thought that, too. I'm thinking, all right, depending on who we put on here, Andre, or even if it was Tom Davies. Wow, that's suddenly going to be a lot of space there unless Decore can really manage to go back and play as a true defensive mid. Was that the right sub? Would you have done something different? I'm kind of curious. I really, I mean, it's kind of a cool, I wouldn't say coin toss, but it's, it's a, either Andre Gomez or Tom Davies, unless you're looking at making a dramatic shift in, in tactics going into the second half. And I think Carlo probably given the success, wanted to try to keep things as, as similar as you possibly could. So though it's not ideal and though Andre, I don't think performed particularly well, I do think that in that moment, he's 
potentially. I, I think he's the right sub. I know you can make an argument for Tom Davies given the maybe slightly higher work rate and Andre played really poorly. So it's easy to say hindsight 2020, but you think about if you're, you're never going to replace Allen's defensive ability with either of those guys. And so you potentially look to replace it with a guy who can help control the game a little bit better. And, and Gomez, I think would help to, to achieve that more so than Tom. The only thing I saw on Twitter that I found personally interesting, but I don't think it'd be something that you'd do necessarily mid match would be the idea is moving one of the fullbacks into defensive mid. Mm. Uh, to me, it's Godfrey every time yeah. I, I, and putting John Joe in it right back. So that's for the point. record. I mean, I know a lot of people think that Mason Holgate suddenly is a defensive mid because he played there once against Manchester United. But I mean, really, that was a very noble thing for him to do. Um, he he played well in that match. It was a one one draw. Uh, we sat back most of the time. I remember they our goal was an own goal <laughs> off the back. Uh, I, I happen right. to be at that one uh, at Old Trafford, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just Godfrey's played there before. His foot skills, I think, are better. His ball control is better too. I, I don't, I don't think Mason Holgate should ever play there. Frankly, I think he's got enough positional versatility playing right back and center back. So Godfrey for me would have been the choice. But I don't think you make that make that move mid game. And 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 John Joe, I think, would have done actually pretty well at right back in this setup. You know, I don't think he would have been physically overpowered over there. But at that time, Lester was attacking through the right side so often, and Godfrey was doing a pretty good job of snuffing it out. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think that would have been the wrong move. Uh, Andre terrified me coming in there. Um, but honestly. Well, would Tom Davies you know, have terrified you less? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, Andre would have been kind of out of sorts, um, probably better containing the ball in the attack and transitioning. Uh, Davies would have had a lot more energy been yes. flying all over the place, yeah. but would have been every bit as undisciplined, maybe more so. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I probably would have opted for Andre and just prayed to God, uh, which I did <laughs> the vast majority of the match. Uh, but we got to halftime unscathed at that point besides Allen. And and really, uh, I, I thought we started out OK, but there were there was. The back-to-backs to uh, Mason Holgate, Godfrey was the second one. That was concerning. That had me very nervous because I kept thinking, wow, they're really, we're forcing them to attack wide, and that's really great. But now you got both your fullbacks on yellows. Right. I mean, can you imagine one of those guys pull a second yellow and just from a congestion, you know, a fixture congestion standpoint, one of those guys being out? I mean, I did not want to think about that. I, I thought Mason's yellow was absolutely absurd. Yep. Uh, Godfrey probably earned it, but I mean, Ben Godfrey deserves a lot of credit for showing the discipline he did because they continued to attack down that right side. Um, and really, I mean, things did change a little bit. I would say this, the sub of Perez in the 62nd, he was pretty lively coming in. He certainly was. And and I think your point about, about Godfrey was good. And actually someone we haven't really mentioned too much yet. Decore, I thought did a really good job of providing that additional support in defense for both those guys. Cause you could see, particularly there were a couple moments with Mason Holgate where you could, he was very conscious of the fact that he was on a yellow and therefore had to like pull out of a couple challenges or, or lay off guys that he normally might go in a little more strongly. But Ben Godfrey deserves an immense amount of credit. And, and the, I honestly thought underplayed all right. So it was a little bizarre for me to see him come off for Iosi Perez, who I rate. I think he's a really important player and, and useful for Leicester. Um, and, and it really started... It really felt like we needed desperately needed a second goal to put the game to bed because it seemed like only a matter of time before Leicester might find their way through, just given that we were conceding quite a bit of possession. A lot of, again, clearances to nobody that immediately returned possession to Leicester and they would just come at us again and again. But eventually we we had a breakthrough. Well, we had an Andre Gomez foul to prevent a counterattack that ended up being smart. And I believe that's when he picked up uh, his yellow card. Right. And that, yeah, because now you're looking at all those guys on yellows and Andre is not really known for his restraint. No. As we saw later. Yeah. It was concerning too. You know, they just started stacking up and, and although we did play pretty well defensively, I shared a little bit of your concern. I wasn't freaking out because I thought our shape was really good. Yeah. I think the reason why under went out really is he's so left footed. He just kept cutting inside, cutting inside. Mm -hmm. And while that's dangerous, we knew that. And we were plugging the holes in the middle. I think Perez made them a little more, a little more dynamic, I thought, and they could spread out the attack a little bit better. Um, but sure enough, your wish of the second goal eventually did indeed come come true. Mason Holgate uh, yes. gets into the books for his uh, 
first goal of the year. And let me tell you what, though, <laughs> the save that Schmeichel made on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Oh, my Lord. What the heck? It was like a hockey save. You know what I mean? It was standing on his head in the goal. Yeah. It, watching it live, I honestly thought that that went in really br- like I had like my brain almost glitched watching it because we had the chance, <laughs> the deflection. And then I was like, oh, that's in. And then I was like, oh, no, Holgate poked it in. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, here we go. Oh, but that's uh, in. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, I was and that was such a big moment because, again, Lester wouldn't really relent after that. And it was really great to see Holgate really tough, really tough finish, really, because he, it's so quick and he just sticks his foot out, taps at home, makes it look really easy. But that's not an easy reaction play to make, I don't. No, not with the left foot, too. You know, I mean, he was very well balanced in there, very controlled and composed. We're seeing the youngsters mature mm. in front of our very eyes. Beautiful. Yes, it is. Um, and, and really, at that point, I mean, they, they still look dangerous at times, but a couple times in the counter, we looked really good, too. I'll tell you what, Gilfie had wow. a golden chance from my boy, uh, Wopio. Wo- <laughs> my God, did he leave that guy in the dust in the 78th? Uh, wonderful little cross. You know, I wonder if he he thought maybe could, didn't have to have it on the ground, uh, but it was good enough. Gilfie didn't do that bad with it, honestly. He came pretty close. He tried that one touch little shot from almost a half space, just missed. I mean, that would have been really a remarkable goal. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because if that goes in, none of the drama that happened after that uh, really occurs. Because right after that, the 80th, Ioe uh, Perez uh, oh. gets into the box and he knocks Gomes on his butt, which why was Andre trying to even challenge him there? Such a weird I, play. I think if he goes down when he has his first touch, he probably has a penalty. He beats him, though, and comes right in for the baseline. Uh, I think Yeri may have blocked the shot, but, but you know, I'm thinking the second he does that, I'm like, what are you doing, Andre? So you would think, you would think that would be the wake-up call for him to say, oh, geez, that was a little aggressive, right? And Wrong. not, not really. Yeah, just a short time after that, we had, and this was like, I could see this coming a mile away because oh, I know. Andre's behind the guy. He's kind of trying to like half nip at him, knowing that he can't really foul nip, nip, nip. And then once he finally gets into the box, he tries to, it seems like he tries to make a play on the ball and ultimately gets a slight piece of it. But Perez goes down very softly. I thought it looked like a pen just because of, again, how the buildup made it look. But then we go to VAR Lee Mason makes the right decision. And as Ahmed Tim Ferguson at Dunk Fergie nine said on Twitter, even if it's not a penalty, it's a stupid challenge. And I completely agree. He's behind the guy. No real chance to make the play. You've got a defender on the opposite side. It just it's just a classic Andre lack of defensive positional awareness type of foul. Yeah, let him go, man. Let him go. Use your brain. I just it drives you mad. Uh, One thing I would like to see change, by the way, from a rules standpoint, I'll say this. Well, first of all, I, what is up with the Premier League and its reluctance to card people for diving? That is exactly what I said on Twitter. I was like, if, if you're not going to call the penalty, then how is that not a card for diving? I recognize you can't give a yellow off a VAR review. That's one thing. But Perez had another dive earlier, um, which was the right call. There was minimal contact there whatsoever. Well, put it this way. If you call that a pen, then call the time that Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets knocked over in the box of pen right. too, which... I don't think I, I don't know what Dom was. Dom didn't have the best game. We'll get into that in a second. But um, he's probably tired. But yeah, I, I just don't. I really wish it would be so nice. Go to VAR to check for the penalty because it's happened in the box and have the ability to give the card. Uh, it, that's the only instant you're allowed to give a yellow. But I mean, he should have absolutely carded him. He flopped. If the rule is he didn't make contact. You know what I mean? Right. Then, you know, unless unless you argue he hit the ball and he tripped over the ball, which he didn't. It's a dive. It's a flat out dive. But the bottom line is these guys have no interest in getting rid of diving. I find it so ironic that you have guys like Graham Sunis blame the Latin American culture for this <laughs> diving and referee deception when the Premier League is the worst league of all the big leagues that I've ever seen in giving, well, giving fouls, but giving cards to guys who simulate. You see it in every other league. Now, it doesn't happen every time, you know, and if you get nudged a little and the ref decides, look, there's not enough there for me to give a penalty. There's more incidental contact. That's fine. That's not a dive. But come on, man. Call it. I, I just it's infuriating to me, uh, although I will say this. The most curious call I saw well, the whole night, which is totally irrelevant at this point, was we had the ball in the 90th minute. I don't know if it was Gilfie who got hatcheted at the top of the 18. Yep. Maybe it was Richarlison. He played advantage. 
I, I, he flicked the ball to his left to a Wobie sideways, took us so farther away from the goal. We're trying to kill the game out. In what world do you call advantage on that? No one in their right mind, if you're Everton, would have done anything but take the take the call. I mean, how? I don't even understand what's going through your mind at that point. Play on. What? Play on. It's literally right at like the 20, right in the middle of the field. The best place you could have a free kick. Almost too close to the box. I, I just that was madness to me, man. Completely madness. But I will say this, you know, looking back on it in summary. They did have some chances even during that time, but I never felt we were totally shelled. And I think this goes back to one of your favorite points of observation. It's really the areas in which a lot of the shot attempts came from Leicester were not overly dangerous. Right. I mean, if you look at Leicester's, they had 64% of their shots coming from outside the box and 0% coming from inside the six. So they were, and they did have, of course, the, the offside goal ruled out for offside. That was obviously offside, which would have counted. Yep. When you look at contrasted with ours, where only 18% of our shots came from outside the box, and then the other 70, what, 82% coming from inside the 18 and almost a quarter coming from inside the six, like that is how you win games. You're getting shots in good positions in dangerous areas. We had a lot that came off of set pieces and whatnot, but clearly the defensive shape, and we will talk about it and we'll get into the individual performances here in a second, but preventing any kind of legitimately dangerous chances from from very close in where you have a high chance of successes is a recipe to win games without question yeah they had two shots on target that's it yeah. you know and everything else are long distance attempts and yeah they have some pretty skilled guys that can hit it from distance but as it's not their game though uh, as analytics have shown my friend that's not the right way to <laughs> shoot from but bruno fernandez still does it um yeah it, it's true you know and, and there's something to be said for volume and they had 14 attempts but look we had 11 attempts and six on goal yeah, there were some set pieces in there, too, but we earned those set pieces because of the matchup problems. I mean, right. Owobi got at least two corners, I saw, yep. because Fuchs couldn't stop him, and Owobi was just toying with him. So the worst Alex was going to do against them was draw a corner. Um, and Richarlison had the same thing. You know, the one thing about Richarlison, and I guess let's get into player performance, because yeah, I want to talk is, about Richie yeah. a little bit, because, look, he scored a goal, and you finally saw an example of him being more direct. He was fouled constantly. They didn't call anything. But he actually took pretty decent care of the ball, considering how many times he had it. He came back and defended. You could tell he was tired again. But too ma so many times off throw-ins, you see Iwobi doing this too, but Richarlison just boxing out a fullback. And he's so strong and so balanced, they can't get around him. I mean, it's an absolutely important play. If you're going to play defensively and play off the counter, you have to have some hold-up play to get a couple guys in the box to create some dangerous scoring chances. So... Maybe it wasn't the greatest game he's ever played. Yes, that was a fortunate goal, a well-struck shot. But I, I think he played a very good game, all things considered, when you think about the tactical approach. Now, he wasn't my man of the match or anything, but I definitely put him in the good department. But I, I don't think anyone had a terrible game, but there were still a couple other real standout performances, I think. Yeah, and I think clearly after the match, the consensus seemed to be that Decore was, for the most part, man of the match. We'll see what what Ryan and I think as we get to that segment hmm. of the show, but I thought he was really, really good. A couple really important interceptions, one uh, tackle inside the box that won possession back when Lester oh, was threatening. That was amazing. Man, that thing, he uh, man, does he get, does he cover some ground? The work rate is amazing. He just got it's incredible. And, and his, his speed too. Like he's such a big guy. I said it last show, like it shocked today. I wasn't as taken aback by his, how big he is, but, I was taken aback or not taken aback, but uh, really pleased to see how well he covered ground and disrupted things for Lester in the midfield. We talked, they, they have guys dangerous in the middle that can break people down, but they had very little success with that. Did a great job of forcing people outside. And then he also does a good job of providing that support to the wings. And though he didn't contribute a ton on the offensive end, 88% passing, second highest on the team besides Allen, who obviously played less than a full half, covered guys led the team in touches, just a really well-rounded all-around performance from Decore. And he's a guy that that has been not really on our list as a super strong performer the last couple of matches, but he's he's his his low points I still think are are pretty darn good. He hasn't had an outright awful game. Put in the work. That's what happened. But I mean two two interceptions, two tackles, so many duels that he won. I would love yep. to see those numbers. Not a single foul, right? I don't think he had a single foul. No. That is, in many ways, 
especially knowing how many people were on yellows. Like, think about that within context. He's got both fullbacks who, who are the guys that can really be aggressive in the tackle on yellows. He's got Andre Gomes playing with them to begin with. Second of all, playing with them on a yellow from the 64th on. I mean, the guy was absolutely immense. And he's still jumping into the attack on times. He's phenomenal. Obviously, obviously, he's my favorite player. I said it 100 times. Um, I actually have the Decore jersey on. Nice. Um, it's funny. My kid and I have like the exact same outfit on today because it's just to be funny. <laughs> so we got like gray sweatpants on and, the, and our new Hummels. Uh, pretty funny. But yeah, I just was stoked and led the team in touches. Uh, he was absolutely immense. He does get sloppy with the ball a couple times, yeah. maybe a match. Yep. But it's usually in the attacking zone and it's very much moving fast. You know what I mean? Trying to take advantage right. of things and the full of match, full of match. He was unbelievable. He had something like nine recoveries or something. But yeah, he's ha- even the performances where he was not great. He puts in the shift, man. And that's all you can ask. And And I would be remiss in terms of good performances to bring up our emerging pseudo English Brazilian Iwobinho, <laughs> Alex Awobi. You know, I, the one thing I'm most impressed with him, I know he's a good athlete. A lot of people forget on how fast he is. They think he's not fast because he kind of runs funny. He does run funny. He does remind me of um, Ronaldinho, the way he kind of runs and moves a little bit, you mm. know, kind of shuffles. Uh, certainly not as good. Relax. I, I mean, Alex is a good player. He's not a world class player. Before for four in his dribbles, uh, three key passes. He had the assist. We already talked about assists. I'd love to see his expected assist number. I bet you it's pretty good. Um, he had another one to Dom where he played exactly the way you wanted as a striker, you know, behind, yeah. you know, and, and Dom was just maybe a step short. Indeed, I think someone who stepped up. So he deserves a little credit for reading the play, but almost had it. You know, it was a really nice service. His service was better today. It was a little more controlled. He wasn't just other than once off a corner. He wasn't like blindly firing in there, but but he was playing up higher. That's the difference. You know, the one week people were criticizing him of his service. I don't think that was very fair, but he was totally isolated playing out right and really more playing in a right back. I, I, I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times. The difference between Alex Awobi's performances are very simple. It's the touches he gets in the final third and in the box. That's the only difference between his Arsenal and his Everton performance. That's all it's a function of. He's going to miss some, but he creates a lot of them in high number because he can beat people off the dribble. He can hold the ball up. He's tricky. You know, he's kind of a mess. Sometimes you look at him, you're like, what God's green earth is he doing? Um, But he creates chances. And the one thing I will say absolutely is a lot of people are talking about Arsenal, why they're not playing well. Now, I'm not simply saying that Alex (laughs) Awobi is the sole reason they're not doing well. But you look at Arsenal and you look at all all the guys that can theoretically score on that team. Guys like Nicholas Pepe is a good goal scorer if they play him on the right side. Uh, Lacazette's a decent goal scorer. Obviously, you know, Pierre and Memmer is a great goal scorer, but they're not getting the service. So when and Alex is last year in Arsenal, they had five guys with shot created actions per 90 of over three. Um, the three highest were Mehmet Ozil, uh, Mkhitaryan and, and Alex Awobi. Very high numbers like Ozil, I think, was over four. And those guys were in the high threes. That That is a big number, by the way, for those that don't realize. And then I think he had Aaron Ramsey and even Lacazette had just slightly gone over three. You know how many they have right now, Hamas? I'm guessing zero since zero. Gone. <laughs> yeah, they're all gone except for Lacazette. And, and he doesn't necessarily, you know, he's not playing as much. And Ozil's not gone. <laughs> his True. salaries, his 350K is Firmly on the books. Yep. Um, but that's a big difference. You know, what good are goal scores if you don't have guys that can serve it? And and I, I just think Alex's defensive contributions were sound and solid. Uh, and he was dangerous all around. Okay, rant, Alex Awobi, rant. I, I think I do a good job on this podcast and not talking too much about Alex Awobi. <laughs> do you not agree? I mean, when it's not warranted, I think on a day like today and after the run of form he's put in the last three or four matches, I think it's totally warranted to to heap praise on him i'm breaking my vow of a woe be silence today apparently uh but but, i mean you'd be remiss too to mention i mean how good the defensive setup was today yeah i mean in our notes here we have just the whole back four as like a collective unit were were incredible yet again showing the ability to to just the communication the organization all of those things i mean none of michael Keane and yuri mina i believe on like seven or eight aerials between the both of them locking things down and against a guy like Jamie Vardy in a front like Lester, where you're uh, you wouldn't think that Keen and Mina would necessarily be the best matchup against a guy like that. They, they were that today. And Ben Godfrey, I mean, Carlo Ancelotti said it in the week. I think he called him a, a pleasant surprise, a nice surprise, something along those lines. 
And I think I think Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti, I assume that they know the kind of player that they were getting, but maybe not the level of versatility that he's displayed so far. Playing at a left back as a right-footed center back is a really tough ask, and he's met the call repeatedly now against some really good attacking players and and he makes it look easy at times and it's it's encouraging to see his his aggressiveness getting the ball forward he's not going to be the guy that, that plays crosses in like luca dean but he still will drive the ball forward if given space so it keeps the the opposition on their toes and again mason holgate a guy who's familiar with playing right back and he slots in over john joe kenny and continues to impress i think his aggressiveness he still brings that kind of center back Hard tackling mentality. Again, we're not getting a whole lot of offensive output from them. Of course, Mason Holgate scored. So what am I talking about? Um, <laughs> but but just the is to find for Carlo Ancelotti to find a cohesive defensive unit, given that our two starting fullbacks are out, deserves all the managerial credit in the world, and the players deserve a ton of credit for for filling the role and doing what they're asked to a T. I think it was necessary. He, he, you know, he was trying everything he could, Carlo, yeah. to to be defensively stout yet also attack. Um, I would think eventually this team under Carlo will be a more aggressive, more athletic team. I, I, I don't think in the future we'll see Mina and Keane necessarily in tandem. I don't think that's at least my prediction. But it's kind of a nice way to integrate Godfrey in into the team. I, I had a lot of concerns about his immediate contributions because of the way he got torched at Norwich. A lot of that was tactical. You know, he just had to play out in the space and he made a lot of mistakes, maybe a little bit rash. He reminded me a lot of Mason a couple of years ago, like the foul. When was it at Fulham? I think was a good example of yep. something he might do that. I was like, ah, oh, gosh, you know. And other than the fact that my funny comment, apparently that I wish he was slightly taller. Uh, <laughs> the reason why I said that is because he's not great in the air necessarily yet for a center back. Um, and and, you know, it, it just. Part of maturity is one thing. You know, he's a big, strong guy. His feet are really good. He's fast. He's a good athlete. But eventually, eventually, he does look like the type of athlete that can kind of be that well-rounded guy. Yeah. If he if, if he improves those things. I mean, look, center backs normally mature a little bit later. There's a lot to understand. So much of that is reading the game, anticipation. You know what I mean? And, and you know, you may not have to be caught out in space too often, but you don't have to rush in for a tackle. You need to contain people and... And I'm interested to see what kind of center back he he could become. Um, but in the meantime, I know Carlo, look, look at what he did with Maldini at AC Milan. You know, he played more of an asymmetrical back four where he had um, an outside back. That's an American term, I know, uh, but a fullback that was more of a defensive fullback, really more of a, a back three with someone like Luca Dean pushed up. Maybe Mason Holgate is that guy. Um, I, I don't think that's a crazy idea. Uh, and it'll be very interesting. Maybe he'll use Godfrey at defensive mid. Uh, but there's, it's clear some of the guys we got have positional versatility. And I think that's what's necessary right now when you don't have the deepest team. Uh, but yeah, I think everyone in the back line was really good. I'm, I'm curious to your thought. I think Olsen was sound. A couple of the other attacking players. I'm curious what you thought about Dominic Calvert-Lewin first and then maybe Gilfie. Yes, to start with Dom, I mean, I think it's clear he's kind of struggled to find an impact, even though we were playing a lot of, there was just a lot of long clearances that were kind of aimless, and he at times was really isolated. Uh, Sigurdsson yeah. tried, I think, to support him at times, but, and, and you could you can forgive Calvert-Lewin, right? I mean, he's been our most prolific goal scorer. He's been hugely influential in most of the games of the season, winning balls in the air all over the place. He just kind of had an eh game today, and that's fine because we've won regardless and actually encouraging the fact that he didn't play that well and we were still able to find two goals he just seemed he only had 32 touches so that that actually is not that that's right around what yeah, he usually gets right. but a lot of them were like again in the in the middle of like five lesser defenders with no one near him where he, he couldn't do a whole lot he did have uh two shots i believe but he lost possession five times he struggled a bit, and that's okay. He's gonna have the. He's played every single game for us. He's been our, the reason that we're even remotely at in near fifth place in the top half. I think, and he just might need a rest at this point. But we can't afford to rest him, much like a guy like Richarlison, who probably could could use some of the same. There's a pretty funny exchange I thought in the middle of the game that I put in here <laughs> on our notes. Peter the Great, the DCL that DCL hasn't done a tap all game, and then my response: He's not been good. And then Alan at Holy Trinity FC, who's always giving me stuff. 
total you know what mate and then the bobblers jump in get jank on <laughs> and then the response is actually took it too far there <laughs> yeah uh I'll t- i will say this dude fofana mm. from lester that kid's 19 years old i mean what a player he was all over dom in the air uh, I said that when I saw him go to Leicester, and I think we we pulled the trigger on Godfrey before that. Yeah, I thought, oh my goodness, that was the guy that I think is going to be one of those elite center backs for the next ten fifteen years. He was excellent today, uh, and it's hard, you know. Indeed, he's coming in there that somebody's not used to playing center back with. So that was part of the reason why Dom struggled, maybe a little bit. Uh, but how could he not be exhausted at this point, man? Right. I mean, he runs. He runs and runs and runs. He's he's doing. Yep. It seems like in the games where he's not getting those one or two chances inside the six yard box, all, most of his job is just running the channels, oftentimes thanklessly, the same that it's been the last three seasons since he kind of broke onto the scene. And yeah, yep. Fofana, six aerials, one the most of any player on the pitch, on, alongside Ndidi, who's not a conventional center back, but an excellent defensive player uh, when he's in the yep. midfield. So, uh, but but look, I mean, Dominic occupied them both. Yes. If he didn't do his job off the ball, does Richarlison or Wobi have as much success? No, no, I don't think so. No, right? they no, absolutely not. So that that's yes, he he didn't control the ball very well. A couple times he came back and helped with possession at times. And if we were down, maybe it would have looked a, a little bit different. But that's part of the job, you know, occupying the center backs. Jamie Vardy did a little bit of that today too, and and wasn't particularly effective. And uh, we just happen to have better defensive players uh, out in the wide spots than than they did. And our attacking guys maybe were a little more effective. Uh, what do you think about Gilfie? How do you think Gilfie played? He's a strong OK for me. I'd give him like a five or a six if we're on a one to ten scale. He ended up with three key passes. I'm guessing most of those were from set pieces. Yeah. Strong set piece delivery, which is one of the main reasons I, I think that he's there. I actually thought that his work rate off the ball was pretty decent today. He put in a shift. The legs aren't quite there, but there was a moment where he almost uh, broke down the sideline with the ball at his feet for a run and he <laughs> couldn't, couldn't quite. He was not going to win that for, no. I think that was for fun yeah. too. I was like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. But from, from open play, not the most influential match, but I still think that given how good he played last time, um, in the absence of, of a lot of other creative players in the midfield, he's, I'm still not sold on him. Let's put it that way, but I'll give him credit where credit's due. He was okay today. Yeah, he worked. I mean, he always runs a lot, even if he isn't very fast. And, and I think going back to Robin Olsen, I mean, he didn't have a ton to do, but he inspires confidence to me. You know, yeah. he's just almost, he's just big. He has length. He seems to be well positioned. Um, he seems to be mature back there. He's just very different. There was Pickford. that one moment, uh, with he and Mina where it seemed like Olsen called Mina off to expect the bounce. And then I don't know if you saw this, but the ball yeah. took this like really awkward. I think it was the spin. No, yeah. The ball and the spin on the ball seemed very strange to him. I mean, he did okay with it yeah. and he did everything he could, but that was a little nerve wracking. I mean, I wasn't. No, it wasn't a major moment or anything, but other than that, he didn't have a whole lot to do. He made that really nice. Two saves again, ended up just punting the ball long. Most of the time ended up with 54% passing. And he does inspire confidence. Maybe it's just the fact that we don't have enough of a sample size. And so by default, we assume that he's going to be really good until he shows us anything else. Whereas Pickford, there's that history. But uh, what do you think? Do you think he sticks with Olsen at the weekend or no? I doubt it. But I will say this. If you're going to pack the middle and force them to take shots from distance. I mean, are you kidding? That's the biggest no brainer ever. Yeah. Um, I, look, you've heard my piece on this, too. I, I think Olsen's a better keeper. I, I don't think to me, I don't think there's much of a question although the numbers are incredibly damning for pickford and maybe they're a little bit unfair due to smaller sample sizes and whatnot i'm sorry they're just shots in there that i think other keepers may save and i, I just think he's a more solid keeper that's just my opinion um but no he, he didn't have an amazing game or anything you know i'm not i don't want to give him too much credit in terms of the bad uh, there's one guy that's was andre bad was he bad i think he's He's bad. <laughs> was bad. Less you don't want to say it. He you was don't. bad. He was bad. I think the the level of anger and like, I think some of it is a little misdirected. I mean, I saw a lot of people saying he only passed backwards, basically. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I mean, you can know what it is. Those numbers are out there. Yeah. It, Stop it, saying that. If someone's leading your team in forward passes, I heard that about Morgan Schneider, Lynn. I'm like, he's literally leading the team in forward passes. <laughs> By the way, and that's a total function of, of where you play on the pitch. Sure. For sure. For sure. If you play sure. deeper, you're going to do that. Uh, 
No, and, and look, when you made that sub, you knew you're going to probably get someone that hopefully was decent in possession. Mm. Although, dude, we got that's the one thing about Andre that I think was his stronger suit before. He could hold the ball up, occasionally beat someone on the dribble. Exactly, you know what I mean? He, yeah. he, he would be press resistant, I would think. And we saw that in his last performance, I think, in spurts. But that was not the case today. And and I'll t- I'll t- if there's ever a case to make a one for man of the match for Decore, he's probably it. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, you look at the distribution. He had 12 backwards passes and nine forward. So almost slightly more often backward than forward. But again, he's playing in central midfield. So you're kind of going both ways. And sometimes you sometimes you have to pass backwards. Sorry, that's just the way it goes. But there were a few times when he received the ball and I thought that he could have looked forward. He had options for it and instead hesitated just long enough where that wasn't an option anymore. And he was forced to go back. We know that he's probably not at his best playing deeper. We know that he's not really defensively disciplined or adept at making tackles and he was getting beaten a lot and he lost possession six times. So out of anyone, I mean, we won the game. It's hard. You don't want to be too, too negative, but in, in situations like this, uh, it was a huge step down and, and Allen left a giant hole in the side in his wake that Andre wasn't really able to, to fill. My tweet was great play by Decore to recover there. Gomes is clueless back there. Okay. That was a little <laughs> harsh. But the follow-ups on that were awesome. Yeah. Uh, Andres had a good one, but Ram Detour at XL Toffee, who always has some witticisms, shall I say, his response was, no matter when you read this. Yep. <laughs> Eternal I mean, truth. Really, I, it really is. Andres out of position. Someone covered for him. Um, yeah, maybe we're being a little harsh. I mean, the bottom line is he's not well-suited for that position. Um, he, he's fine. He's fine when we have the ball in that position. Yeah. But if you're killing off a game, I mean, hopefully JPG can get healthy. Maybe we look in the window on January to find someone to play that role. Um, I, I I don't know, like Aloni or something, but um, and no, not Sammy Kadra. Oh my God, <laughs> let's not even go there. No, let's not. But but anyway, hey, look, it was a great win. I, I don't want to dwell too much on the negative. You know, to me, the only negative is Allen out and how we figure out around it. It was a massive three points, just like the Chelsea match, shot us up the table in really dangerous spot. And I don't know. I think I think we had some people out there that summarize the game probably probably better than I could. Yeah, I think we'll we'll start with Pete Rabbit sixty eight. Uh, he said flat four defense was very very solid again against another high scoring team. Richarlison was much better today when pressing the attack. Too bad about Allen. I still hate VAR, even though it helped us today. Great setup in team selection by Carlo. I mean, I think that's that's spot on. The flat four excellent. Richarlison, as we said, better today. The Allen, the Allen thing is is the huge downside here. Where if that's yeah. a long term injury, it's going to be a rough rest of the month, really, because we don't have a, a clear replacement. JPG, I believe, was supposed to return to Finch Farm this week to resume training, but I haven't heard any updates on that. And so this, and you don't want to rush him back anyway. You certainly don't want to rush him back and put that much responsibility on him immediately. And so I think we're a ways out from having any kind of subs replacement for Allen. So if he's gone, it's going to be a problem. We also had Andreas Watt, who we mentioned earlier. Two shout-outs on the same show. Shout-out to Andreas, always engaging with us, said, Allen was immense, bad injury, and Decore stepped into the four. was superb. Took Allen's marker and raised it. Richie and Awobi ran into the ground, defense working as a unit. Gordon off the bench to stretch games is the perfect call. He doesn't need to start. He's 19. We didn't even mention Anthony Gordon coming off the bench. I felt so bad for him. He's sitting on the sidelines forever. Yeah. We didn't mention John Joe Kenny either. Um I mean, he, Gordon was just sitting there. Yeah, it's exactly, you know, he provided a little bit of spark and, and had he been on there maybe five or 10 more minutes, the way they were pushing up, uh, it would have been interesting to see, see what he could have done. Uh, I feel bad for him too. I mean, that's not Carlos fault. I think the, the, when he went to put him on was the right thing. Yeah. I think the final comment though, I really like, uh, Mark Christopher who engages with us a lot Decorey had himself a match. Really glad to see Richarlison get a goal. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't want to see Andre Gomes on the pitch next match. Um, Fair. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, if we're going to possess the ball against some other teams, I get it. But uh, yeah, man of the match shouts. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump in and go first. You know, you let me go first last time. So now I'm just being aggressive about it at this point. Darn it. it. Um, First of all, another shout to Alan at Holy Trinity EFC, because he's one of the Iwobi naysayers. He's a little (laughs) more rational. He's a little more rational than others. But literally... Um, let's see. I, I've said, pick one, Alan. Come on. Cause he's like, Hey, that was a team effort. Only time, you know, no man of the match. I would give it to the whole team. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. His response, Alex Awobi, right. the smiley. I was like, come on, really? Is this the Alan Balliol handling Iboween? Uh, oh God, I came to talk today. Uh, Awobinho 
some credit? And he's like, yep. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. But my man of the match, I don't think I've ever picked a Wobie. Did I pick a Wobie last week? Uh, no, I think I may Sigurdsson. have. You, you, first of all, you flip-flopped like 16 Flip. times and okay, eventually landed on Sigurdsson. Uh, I'm going to pick John Joe. Ke- no, I'm going <laughs> to pick. Uh, uh, no, I, I think the man of the match was um, Decore for me. And it's not just because of wearing the jersey. The guy was absolutely immense. The situation he was stuck in, two fullbacks on yellow cards, Andre Gomes coming in there playing with him is is a handicap defensively anyway. He had to change roles. He did play deeper. Some of his backwards recovery runs where he won the ball, the one ball in the box is unbelievable. He still pushed the pass. He led the team in touches, took care of the ball better than anybody else on the pitch after Allen left. He was absolutely immense. I think everyone was concerned when he went down. We thought, no way, we're keeping a clean sheet. And he was absolutely massive in doing that. He was all over the pitch. The guy's work rate is phenomenal. He goes from box to box just like we thought he would. Uh, he's my man of the match. What about you, James? I'm going to have to copy you and go with Decore as well. I think you can give Alex Awobi some... He deserves a ton of credit, but I just think Decore having to step in, help basically do the job of two midfielders uh, that... Gomez was really unable to cover for Allen, and so DeCorey took it upon himself to do both jobs and did them extremely well. Um, he's, he's so mobile. He knows how to get across the pitch. He's all over supporting his teammates, and I just think he's the type. Both of them have been revelations in midfield, but DeCorey is one that I think just adds that little extra element of, of dynamism that we've been missing and well-deserved man of the match for him today. But I do think this kind of feeds into as we look ahead to the weekend going against Arsenal, who, of course, drew today 1-1. Given the fact that Carlo Ancelotti didn't significantly rotate the squad today, now that the fixtures are coming basically every two to three days, do you think how many changes do you think he'll make on Saturday? He's got to make some, you know, right? Um, I mean, I know we were packed in today and not everyone ran that much, but certainly in the front front six you know I, you, you can't have those guys continue to play i just don't know what changes you make like do right. you take dom out and put jink tosin on i would be <laughs> i mean i hope i sure hope not but i do think no i do no. think anthony gordon might be poised to potentially get a start at long last i think tom davies will probably play and i'd almost be unsurprised to see bernard come in in some capacity as well i would think bernard is is an obvious choice in there somehow I just don't know who you pair Decore with and, and even yeah. ask him play again. I mean, the guy's fitness is unbelievable at this point. It's just a tough ask. Uh, that being said, if James comes back in, right, which I, I would put him right in. I, I don't care what people say. I mean, don't want to put him in. Are you kidding me? You're out of your mind. I would put him in the middle as well. Um, one thing to consider, too, Arsenal likes to play out of the back. You know, they love the little ticky tack of passes in the back. Uh, it would behoove us to pressure them. If that's the case, it would be smart to have legs in there to do that. Uh, I don't know what that means, but um, certainly Bernard, maybe even Anthony Gordon. Uh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not, but it will be very interesting. And we just don't have the depth maybe we would like to have due to injury and and due to just being somewhat early in 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 the Carlo Ancelotti version of the project. But I'll tell you what, in the interim, man, I couldn't be more stoked. I mean, to take six points these last two matches. Definitely exceeded most expectations and just such an uplift. And I, I like our chances against Arsenal, even with rotation. I do, too. I mean, our, and of course, we're going to get we're going to beat these two teams near the top of the table. And, and we coming against Arsenal, who haven't been in worse form in years and years. Everton that and we're, it's poised so beautifully for an Everton that scenario. But regardless, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the optimism. I think we keep up this run of form now that we seem to have. The defensive unit sorted out. I think that that bodes well against a team that has really struggled to score lately. So regardless of the offensive rotation, I think the defensive core stays the same and that will provide us with a platform to get a win at Arsenal. Um, Not getting too crazy with score predictions, but Ryan, any last words on the match against Leicester today? As I said before, defense wins championships. No, it was a great team effort today. Absolutely great team effort. I, I think we took away what they like to do. We made them uncomfortable, which has been a nice change considering some of the other matches we've had earlier. The Allen injury is very concerning. Uh, I think we have a reason to be very concerned about that. We'll see what it is and, and what you know, we do have a window coming up. But yeah, just massive six points. Totally agree. And I think that is a great place to end for today. Thank you everyone for listening. If 
you feel so inclined, please do leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That helps us out a ton. Uh, check us out on social media. You can find all of our links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod, including our Discord, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, up the toffees. Toffees.